Hello and welcome to the WMBC 615 service broadcast, a ministry of Whitley Memorial Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. So let's get this thing rolling, shall we? My name is Daniel, hosting on behalf of Brother Scott Gillen, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the service today. Brother Scott is bringing us our Father's Day message titled, The Number One Reason for Family Problems. In a world where the family is under attack, it seems like the father is a key to a stable and godly family. As we start, be sure to have your Bible and notebook out with us. We'd love to have you learn. If you're traveling or just can't get to your Bible right now, it's no big deal. Brother Scott, as he continues through his message, will bring us verse by verse by verse along with him. So let's head on over to Brother Scott now with our morning message. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time in the Word of God. Father, thank you for today. I pray the Spirit of God will just bless today. I pray that you give me the message you want me to preach. Father, I do not want to get my ideals or opinions in there, even though it is very easy to do that. But Father, I pray that I would say something to help some families, help some people. For I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, today is Father's Day. Now, what I want to do is I want to use Father's Day to speak about the family. And I know some people are saying, wait a minute, Brother Scott, this is Father's Day. You're going to talk about family? Yes. You're going to say, well, there's nothing in this for me then. Yes, I believe I have something for everybody. If everybody just kind of hang on, listen and partake. I believe that. The reason I want to do this is mothers and fathers play a key role in the success of the family. Do they not? Yes, a key role. Now, let me just point out and say this. These roles that mothers and fathers fulfill, some of them do it dutifully and some of them do it wonderfully. But I got to point out, some though do not do it dutifully and wonderfully. In fact, some shame and shirk the responsibilities as parents. Some do that. They do that. So, but on this day, what we want to do is, number one, we want to honor fathers. So let me just say a word about that. Love your father, treat him right, respect him if he's not around. You know, I know my my father passed away when I was 12 years old, and, you know, there are days I wish he was still around, you know. But let me also say this. Yes, we need to respect and love our fathers, honor them. But at the same time, let me say a word to fathers. Fathers, you need to be fathers. You need to be fathers. Think about that for a minute. One of the problems we have in our society today, and I'm just going to tell you, is the absence of dad and the absence of mom in the home. And that's one of the problems we have. And when dad isn't around and dad isn't fulfilling his duty, hey, we run into problems that way. So dad, you need to be dad. You need to be a godly father. You need to be a father that follows the Bible. You need to be an example for your children. And, uh, you know, you need to be a teacher for your children. You say, well, that's what the wife is for. No, you know, in the Bible, guess who's given the responsibility for training of the children? The father is. And he is to see that his kids get that discipline and that godly training. He is to do that. So we see that in Scripture. Now, but in this hour, we're talking about the number one reason for family problems. The number one reason. Now, if I go around, I could go around the room today and we could take a survey. In fact, I've looked at some surveys and a lot of people will give you their idea what they think the number one reason for family problem is. That the number one reason is lack of commitment. And yes, there is a lack of commitment on some for in the family. Somebody else will say it's, well, it's unfaithfulness. Somebody else will say it's, well, it's social pressure, societal, societal pressures. Some other one will say, well, the reason we have problems in our family is the in-laws. You know, and you, you, can, you can tell every mother-in-law and father-in-law joke you want, you know. But let's be honest. If you practice what the Bible says, you know, leave and cleave, you know, you can take care of the in-law problems if the in-laws understand that too. Somebody else says, hey, it's a lack of trust. Somebody else will come up, incompatibility. Other, somebody else will put forth uh, different expectations. 
I've even seen that somebody will say, well, I married the wrong person, or somebody will say unfulfilled need. Now, heard things for years. And by the way, one of the things I've heard for years is the number one reason families have problems is finances. You know, they run into financial pressure and, and it causes couples to argue and things like that. Now, I don't know everything. And I'm just going to tell you that right up front. There are smarter people than me. But when you look at the uh, surveys and the studies, there's one thing often left off that in my years as a pastor, in my years of dealing with people, that I have found over and over and over again as a problem in many homes. You say, what is that? Uh, again, after years of listening, looking, studying, I, 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 I do not see the things I just listed as the number one problem for family difficulties, the number one problem in the home. I don't see these things. What I see these things that I just listed as simply symptoms, symptoms. And they are symptoms of two things, two things. Number one, they are symptoms of sin. Think about that for a minute, symptoms of sin. One of the things that you and I are seeing in the, in the list I just gave you, these are all the results of sin. Now, I'm not talking about personal sin problems, even though some of these could be that personal sin problems. But what I'm talking about is the universal nature of sin. Now, what is that? All of us are sinners, are we not? Yes, we are. We are all sinners. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all of sin. The Bible proves that we are sinners because of the fact we have to die one of these days. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying we are sinful beings. And the fact that we are sinful beings means at times we are going to have family problems, are we not? And we, are, we have family problems also because we have in a sinful world. We live in a sinful world and we are sinful people. Now, part of the reason for problems, part of the reasons for problems is it doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter how well-intentioned we are. We are still sinners. And at times, because of our sin nature, we are going to have those problems. Yes, we are. We're going to do that. But that's not the thing I see as the number one problem that's facing the home today. The number one problem of the family. The number one reason that families have problems today that I have found in my years of study and looking at things and listening to people is this. It's selfishness. It's selfishness. Think about that for a little bit. Selfishness. Now, I know somebody's going to disagree with me, and that's fine. When you preach this message, you can use whatever you want, okay? But for me, as I've looked at it, I think the number one problem is selfishness. Now, think about selfishness for a minute. Think about that. What do I mean by selfishness? By definition, think about that. Think about what selfishness means. By definition, if you look the word selfishness up, you'll find this. Concern chiefly or only with oneself. Think about that. Without regard for the well-being of others, you'll find that. Egotistic or egotistical. You could also describe selfishness in this way. A person is eat up with self. A person just cares about themselves and not others. All a person cares about is pleasing themselves or satisfying me. If one listens when you talk to people that are having family problems, some of the things you will hear is this, but what about me? Now, I realize sometimes that's a legitimate thing, but a lot of times people get on this selfish kick and they say, but what about me? Or you have this thing, I have needs too. Or what about what I want? And yes, I understand there are times those things play in, but when a person that's all they dwell on, I wonder if we could say selfishness involved. What about when a mom and dad just walks out on their family? I wonder, is that selfishness, you know? 
when a man or a woman can let other things come before their family? Is that selfishness? You know, somebody will let a job come before their family. Somebody will let a hobby come before their family. Somebody will let their fun come before their family. Somebody will let another person come before their family. You know, it seems like sometimes what happens in family is that a boat or a car becomes more important than the family. You know, when you tell the kids, I can't do anything with you because you've got something else to do that, quote unquote, is your hobby or thing. Selfishness. I'm, or when you hear this phrase, I'm going to do my own thing regardless of what everybody else thinks. Is that selfishness? You know, we can mark down a lot of things that we could call selfish. You know, or you just practice destructive behavior. Is that selfish? What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say a lot of times in families, one of the things we see today is a lot of families have problems because people are selfish and they don't care about the others, or they say they care, but in practice, they don't practice what they are preaching, if you all look at it that way. They're more concerned about themselves and what they get out of it than the other person. So the question this morning, what is the answer to the number one problem in the family? What's the answer? How do we overcome this thing of selfishness in our families? How do we overcome this thing of not caring about everybody in our families. How do we overcome that? Well, I'm going to give you three things this morning and they're based out of Ephesians chapter five. Three things that I believe will help cure the problem of selfishness. What are they? Number one, Jesus. Number one, Jesus. Now somebody's going to say, Brother Scott, you always bring Jesus into this. Well, yes, I do. Because I believe he is the answer to a lot of problems. I honestly do. Now the passage that we just read in Ephesians chapter five is about Jesus and his church. Yes, it talks about the husband-wife relationship, but when it comes down to it, if you look at verse 32, notice what he said. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's about Jesus and his church, his relationship to the church, the people of God. That's what he's talking about. Yes, it's husband and wife, but it's all about Jesus here, Jesus. Now, I cannot help but think as I read this and I see this, if you get Jesus in your life, That'll make all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Now, I'm not talking about getting religion. I know you've heard somebody say, well, look at that person. They started going to church and they got religion. You know, you heard that. I'm not talking about getting religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about getting baptized. I'm not talking about turning over a new new leaf. I'm talking about a real meeting with Jesus Christ. And that's what we need. That's what I think will make a difference in a person's life. Again, I think there are a lot of people today that claim to be Christians, but yet they're not real. They're not real. You say, bro, Scott, you're trying to judge people. No, I'm just telling you. You know, when you look at what the Bible says a Christian is, and then look what everybody says, it doesn't equal up. It's like two plus two equals four all the time. Does it not? Yes. Uh, Yet a lot of people are saying two plus two equals five when it comes to Christianity. And And it just doesn't add up. I, uh, I read a thing by Billy Graham a while back and uh, somebody wrote Dr. Billy Graham a letter and it was from an atheist. And this atheist, and by the way, Billy Graham replied to him and this atheist wrote Billy Graham and he said this, I am an atheist. And I got highly amused when some of my friends suddenly became religious after the September 11th tragedy in tw- uh, years ago. Y'all remember that, September 11th? Yes. He said, I knew it wouldn't last. And it didn't. 
if they really believed God existed, it should have made a permanent difference in their lives, in my view. And then the guy signed. This is an atheist writing Billy Graham. Billy Graham wrote him back, and this is what he said. You may be surprised to find me agreeing with you as you are an atheist, but in this case, I do. If your friends had truly come to believe in God, then yes, it would have made a, di a lasting difference in their life. Did you catch that? It would have made a lasting difference. Like I said, there's a lot of people that have churchanity. There's a lot of people that are religious. But folks, people need to be saved. They need to have that personal meeting with Jesus Christ, a time when the Holy Spirit has showed them their need of Christ, convicted them of their sin, convicted them of their sin, brought and the Holy Spirit did the work of salvation, and they were born again. That's what we need, and that's what people need today. You know, the older I get, and, and I'm getting, not getting any younger, and the older I get, the more I'm convinced that many people who claim it don't have it. And again, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to be ugly. But folks, people need to know for sure they're saved. And if they're not sure and they've never had that personal experience with Christ, they need to get saved. They need to make Jesus their Savior. So number one, Jesus Christ. What will make a difference in a home? What will make a difference? Jesus will, number one. Number two, how can we overcome this problem of selfishness in our homes? How can we eliminate this problem in our families? Number two, the example of Jesus. The example of Jesus. Philippians 2.5 states, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 states that Jesus is our example, that we should follow his steps. Follow his steps. And then you look down here in Ephesians 5, we see a couple things here. As you look at Ephesians 5 here, and we look at the example of Jesus, you and I in our family relationships are to be selfless, not selfish. Did you catch that? We're to be selfless, not selfish. Look at verse 25 and notice what he says. He said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We are to love our families, love our wives and our kids like Jesus loved the church. Are we not? Yes. And what did he do? He gave himself for it. I mean, that was one of the greatest selfless acts of all time, was it not? Yes, a selfless act. And so, folks, one of the things you and I need to do is if, if we're going to be the right kind of person and if we're going to have the right kind of family, we need to follow the example of Jesus and live a selfless life, not one where all we worry about is what I get, what I want, what I need. Worry about our families. Worry about taking care of our spouses. Worry about our kids, what they need, and things of that nature. We need to be taking care of them. You know, we need to be loving them like Jesus loved, a selfless love, a giving love. But not only did he have that selfless love and that giving love, Jesus had selfless care. I, I love this next passage here. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord, the church. Think about the care that we need to have for our families. It should be selfless. It shouldn't be, I'm doing this so I can get this. How many times do we do trade-offs like that in business and things like that? We shouldn't be doing that in family. You know, we ought to give. It ought to be selfless care. You know, watching over them. 
You know, one of the things I bring out if I ever talk to couples about getting married is how the husband here is the protector of the wife, you know, and, 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 you know, trying to make sure no blemish comes upon her, right? Yes. And I could go into a lot of things there, but I won't. But the idea is selfless care. And that's what we need to have for our families, selfless in that. Folks, that's the example of Jesus here. We are to have that selflessness like Jesus had for us, that selflessness. Think about it. What if Jesus would have got to the cross and said, hey, they're out of luck, huh? No, but because of his love for us, he did one of the greatest selfless acts in history and died on the cross for us. So we see here that you and I are to love like Jesus did, and he had a selfless love, a giving love, a sacrificial love. And that's what we are to have for our families. That's what we need. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Let's take it a step further. Many people today claim to be Christians. If you remember where the word Christian came from, it came from the book of Acts, chapter 11, the first place where the word Christian was used. Acts, excuse me, Acts 11, 26. And it was there in the city of Antioch. And we are told there that there in the city of Antioch that the disciples were called Christians first. You know who were the first Christians? The disciples of Jesus Christ, the followers of Jesus Christ. They were the first Christians. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is somebody who attaches themselves to a teacher. They learn the following or the teach, they learn the teachings of the teacher and they follow those teachings and they emulate the teacher. Folks, you and I are disciples of Jesus Christ if you're saved, if you're a child of God. You know what you and I need to do? We need to emulate him, follow his teachings, live like he lived. And when he gave himself selflessly for the church, it likens it to our family to where we're to have that selfless relationship with a family. Selfless, selfless. Think about that for a little bit. Think about that. Isn't that the way we're to live? like Jesus did. He is our example. We're to follow his steps. We're not to be like this one or that one over here. We're to be like Jesus, are we not? We're to learn his ways. And if he was a person who was humble, according to Philippians 2, and if he was meek, according to Matthew, and if he was all these other things, shouldn't you and I be emulating him and looking to him as our example? Yes, yes. So how can we defeat selflessness in our lives? Number one is Jesus. Number two, the example of Jesus. Number three, priorities. Priorities. You know, I looked at, a, I looked at Ephesians 5 here, and one of the things that comes out, that as you look at Ephesians 5, you see here the importance of the church to Christ. The importance of the church to Christ. Think about that for a minute. How important is the church to Jesus Christ? Huh? Well, you think about it. Here in verse 25, we're told he loves the church, right? We're also told he gave his life for the church here. Gave himself for it. Loved the church, gave himself for it. Verse 23, we're told he is the head of the church, correct? Yes. The purchase price for the church was his own blood, Acts 20, 28. We're told that he owns the church. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. You look at that relationship That tells you that the church, the body of believers, is important to Jesus Christ, is it not? Yes. And that relationship between Christ and the church is the same relationship a husband and wife and a family ought to have for one another. That love, that importance. One of the things that I'm trying to bring out here 
is this. The family should be a priority for each of us. The family is more important than anything on this earth except God. More important than anything. Under God, the family should be number one. That family unit. Husband, wife, your family. Under God, the family is more important than anything else. It's more important than your career. It's more important than money. It's more important than your position. It's more important than fame. It's more important than all of our hobbies. Our family is more important than anything else. Yet the sad part about it is we've got our priorities mixed up when it ought to be God, number one, then family. The first institution God created after he created the heavens and the earth and created everything was the family. You look in the book of Genesis chapter two. Who brought the first bride down the aisle? God the Father did, did he not? He brought Eve to Adam, correct? Yes. And he said, these are now a husband and wife. Where did that come from? God instituted the family right there in the book of Genesis. You say, well, we're not told a lot about it. No, we're given the highlights. But it, obviously, there was a family relationship there. There was a home, a new home, especially when he talked about leaving and cleaving, things of that nature. So under God, our top priority ought to be our family, husband and wife. And then when you get married, when somebody gets married, they create a new family unit. They leave mom and dad, and they cleave into their new spouse, and they start that family unit. Far too many, the priorities are elsewhere. A few years back, I read, read a story that just blew me away. And uh, it just, uh, um, and I won't mention the person's name, but if I were to mention it, some of you here might know who I'm talking about, or some of you listening on Facebook or on the podcast or eventually on CD. will uh, If I mention the name, you know it. But there was a famous football coach. He rose up through the ranks. College, ended up in the pros, ended up on TV as a sportscaster or an analyst or whatever he was. Come to find out, the story is told that when he got to a certain point, he forsook his family for his career and everything he wanted there. He forsook it all. He ended up becoming famous, making a lot of money, but you know what he left behind to get it? He forsook his family. He forsook his family. Can I tell you something, folks? That's the wrong priorities. That's the wrong things to have in front. Career is not going to last. One of these days, it'll set you to the side and you'll be gone. You know, the money will be gone. One of these days, there'll be eternity. And then we'll answer for that. And then we'll see what was really important. Folks, today, we've got our priorities mixed up. Now, a lot of problems in homes today. We see it all around us. Our other problem is selfishness. I'm not saying that's all the problems in the home, but I'm going to say after years of talking to people and listening and seeing things, I can tell you there's a lot of selfishness that needs to be dealt with. My friend, let me ask you three questions. Number one, do you know Jesus as Savior? You may have just joined us today by Facebook or some other way, and you're saying, hey, bro, Scott, you know, I've heard you talk about Jesus, make a difference in a person's life, he will. If you're willing to make him your Savior, realize that he left the glory of heaven, came to this earth, died on the cross for you, was buried, rose again the third day so that you could be saved. And if you're willing to repent and by faith accept him, he will save you. 
He'll make you a new person, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Do you know him? You can make him your savior today. Let me ask you, secondly, are you following the example of Christ? My friend, if you claim to be a Christian, you and I are to be followers of Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is. It's just not, whoa, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. No, a true Christian is a follower of Christ. And then let me just say third, where are your priorities? Is the Lord number one? And then number two, is your family a priority? Or you got some other things that are in there. You know, I had the priorities for my life. I just made some changes in my life due to priorities. Do you have the right priorities? Well, God bless you. I trust this morning we've helped you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Father, you've been so good to us. And Lord, I just pray that you'd be honored with all that's said and done. Father, if somebody that's heard me preach today that's lost, I pray you'd save them. And Father, I just pray you bless them. Do a work here. Challenge all of our hearts for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, amen. We are glad you've listened with us today. If you heard Brother Scott's invitation and have decided to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you do me a favor and send us an email at whitleymbc at outlook.com. We would love to hear from you, and more importantly, we would love to pray for you as you've taken this incredibly important step in your walk with God. Also visit our website, whitleymemorial.com. There's a lot of great resources there, and it would be an honor if you would take a look at those with us. You could also send us an email, and Brother Scott will get back with you as soon as he can. You may have also heard Brother Scott mention other ways of listening. You can now watch our services live on Facebook.com, and you can now listen live on Podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Just look for WMBC615 in the search bar, and on Podbean, look for WMBC615 Service Broadcast. You can also find the WMBC615 Service Broadcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Our service times are Sunday morning and evening at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. Until next time, I'm Daniel, and on behalf of our entire family here at Whitley, thank you for joining us, and God bless you.